I, I like the sound of my own voice. Well, that's a way to start a podcast, that is, isn't it? But um, yeah, I find I find it really hard. Like I I I'm, I don't know. Obviously, I know you do a lot of like toolbox talks with your drivers and stuff. We've recently rolled out some digital toolbox talks to people can use free. So I've recorded a load of content recently, and I just I don't know how to start. Like, hello, my name is Alan. Welcome to Hub. It's like so. Uh, yeah, um, this is this is literally how we start every podcast. So yeah. Um, Hey guys, um, so Alan from Hub here. Welcome to the Morning Cuppa. I'm joined by Sammy today. Um, rather than me trying to do introductions, let's just jump straight in. So that is about as formal as the introduction gets. Sammy, tell me about uh, uh, hello and tell me a bit about yourself for the audience so they can kind of get a bit of context. Hi, I'm Sammy Roller. I am an external transport manager for various companies that are local to Manchester. Um, I've got experience you know over 10 years within um, heavy haulage is my speciality um but the companies that I work for as an external are um, general haulage and tipper companies concrete companies things like that so and i'm 30 years of nice. age whether that is nice. relevant or not um and i am a woman <laughs> <laughs> there we go I, I like it i mean i must say it's something we've i mean Obviously, this is a very male-dominated environment, dominated industry, and I am, in fact, myself a man. So it becomes very difficult for me maybe to have these conversations about being um, a woman in, in a male-dominated environment. But I think it's also important to get men talking about it as well. I don't think it has to just come from women. I think, if anything, it's almost more important that because if a woman talks about it, it sounds like it's coming from a woman, but if a man, oh, it, it might have to listen to it now. So I feel like it's important whether whether you agree or disagree. I think it's important. So I must say, we, we've been talking about it in the team. And I say, I was, I kind of look around, there's, we've got eight of us in the team, um, four girls and four boys. I was like, oh, that's pretty rare to have any workplace that is 50-50 split. Um, and being a software company, it's very much like um, transport. It's a very male-dominated environment as well. So I was quite surprised when, and it wasn't, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've had experience of this possibly where you feel a bit like it's a box-ticking exercise trying to get women in. Um, I genuinely kind of, I look around the team, I'm like, oh, that, that happened. I didn't mean for that to happen. It wasn't planned. It was genuine. They had the skill sets to do the job not not there was no like i've got to have a 50 50 split it was it just happened so so yeah i mean i mean why why did you decide to i mean i know we've spoken about this you and i kind of off off camera um, or off, off recording but um why did you decide to go external rather than staying because i know you, you well give a bit of background about where you came from because you came from obviously a family business didn't you yeah so um i guess it started after school doing little bits of admin work helping my mum in the office because uh, it was a family run heavy haulage company that I sort of grew up with uh, established in 1950 so I've been going for a long time um, and then at 17 did my car test and my trailer test at 18 I did my class two so I could drive a rigid um, move little bits of plant but predominantly my horse box so it was convenient for me didn't really want to be out driving yep. all the time for my dad wanted to play about with the horses and then I had to get a real job to pay for the horses. <laughs> so um, ended up doing how I then became full-time for the family business. Um, did my class one so that I could drive Arctic. Um, always been mechanically minded in terms of um, driving diggers and tractors and dumpers around the yard, forklifts, things like that. So it, that sort of came a bit naturally to me. Um, did my transport yeah. manager CPC, um, became a director of the company or joint director with my brother and my mum and dad 
Um, and then that's sort of how I got here. Um, I've been doing transport manager duties for probably around the 10 year period that I've been full time. I always did bits of duties like that for my dad, helping him run reports and getting the lads to sign their infringement letters. I guess when I was 20, I started doing that. So that was yeah. sort of part and parcel of the job, learn every job within the company. Um, and then decided when I turned 30 or before I turned 30, I decided I wanted a new challenge. I wanted to do something for myself. So I wasn't just under the umbrella of the family company um, and sort of start afresh and do something to make a name for myself. So that's how I became an external transport manager. So I'm still within my first 12 months of beginning my journey, but I'm just loving it. It's great. I say that the, the flexibility, I think when you become your own boss, it's it's kind of sometimes a double-edged sword. It's like, oh my God, you've got all this freedom and you can do what you want, but then it's like, can't go on holiday. It was very hard to go on holiday. It's very hard to take time off. You don't get to five o'clock and clock off and go to the pub and stop thinking about work. It's weekends, yeah, yeah, evenings, uh, weekends, yeah. evenings. And even if you choose not to, your mind still goes back to that thing you were dealing with. And I know as an employee, you do get, I mean, my team are, are fantastic. They, they do kind of extracurricularly think about stuff, but it's, that's the exception, not the norm for a lot of employees, for a lot of, I'm guessing kind of, the drivers you work with, they clock off when they clock off and that's them done sort of thing. They don't care what goes on beyond their hours. Whereas obviously we, we do as business owners. Um, did you find, I mean, we talked about gender at the beginning. Did you find being a woman, uh, a blocker to become, to, to kind of find customers, to work with people, do people kind of not take you seriously or has that never really, really affected you? Yeah, I think because within the family business, I've always been, treated similarly to my brother so I was always expected to do everything that everybody else did I just had to muck in and get on with it yeah. it was never a matter of oh well we won't send Sammy out because she's you know a girl it was never like that my dad always treated me like I was one of the lads I just had to I was expected to do everything that he expected of the drivers and he likewise the same used to never ask the drivers to do or a lad to do anything that he wouldn't do himself and my mum's the same. She yeah. often goes yeah. out on a wagon doing bits. So between us, it was we were all level anyway. We were all on a par. So I think my the customers through the family business. Um, it, I used to laugh about it because I'd turn up on site and they'll go, "Oh, are you are you Sam out the office?" And I'll go, "Oh yeah, you booked the move in with me this morning." And then you know I've turned up on site to do the job, and then I end up sometimes sending the invoice and then chasing for payment if you don't. You know, sometimes I do the entire yeah. process. So I think my yeah. our customers in the family business have built up respect for me because I can go out and do the job myself. I, I will do whatever I need to do to keep everything running as it should. So I think some of my clients, they came from knowing me through the business. So when I put it on LinkedIn and just said, I'm looking at going on my own, not really sure what I want to do, but want to, you know, I'm external transport manager. And then a few people, a few of our customers said, I'll be your first client. You know, I've got my own wagon. You help me when I've not got time to do, um, you know, our own, when we've got too many machines of our own to move, we use you as an overflow. So, you know, I'll, I'll come and use you. So I already had sort of gained the respect within the industry anyway. Yeah. So I guess that helped me move forward with my own clients. Yeah, I guess if you'd gone out cold to people that didn't know you, maybe you'd have, a, you'd have had a yes, different experience. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's fair enough. That's, that's an interesting one because... I guess not being a woman myself, I've never had to really see how it can affect those conversations. So I, I just always, but I think, I think 
I think once you once you build up a reputation as taking no bullshit and taking no nonsense, it's kind of it does help level it a little bit. I think. So, yeah, but I mean, so, yeah. I have faced so, challenges anyway through on sites or when people ring up and speak, you know, and ask for the transport manager, and then I say, you know, here I am, and they sort of go, oh, I was expecting, uh, you know, I wasn't expecting a woman, and they're, and they're totally shell shocked and they don't really know how to get past that. They've built up their own barrier that they think a transport manager should be a bloke. Yeah, and same on site. A, a couple of times I've been set been told what are you doing here in your overalls you know covered in your eyeballs in, in muck and clay off the site you know you should be in the office that, that's how some of these older site managers they they have their own yeah. block that they think why should why should a woman be getting dirty they shouldn't be getting their hands dirty you know there's blokes here to do that job they should be in the office but i love going and getting my hands dirty and and sort of proving yeah. to the lads that the whatever challenges you get you have to overcome them like we would never come away from a job without yeah. a machine even if it's broke down we have to winch it on whatever we've got to do that like that's how it's been drilled into me all my life so i like to when i get onto a site i'll, I'll do the same i'll just you know for, for the sake yeah. of my dad because i know i wouldn't like to make make the phone call to my dad and say um can't get this machine on because he'd tell me to sort it he always says you'll do something yeah and you always have to do something yeah. so uh and I, and I think that's it. I don't think, I think what could a man do that a woman can't do as well? Like what, what, what why has he got to be a man? It's, uh, if you're trying to move massive plant, their physical strength is going to do bugger all anyway. It's not physical strength that's going to sort that out. It's going to be ingenuity and kind of problem solving, which has got nothing like, I could, I can, I can understand, or I can, I can see when people say, oh, it could do with strength. Yeah. But it's 2022. It's very rare that anything you need to do now. We're so health and safety up that actual physical strength is such a minor factor. There's so many things in place now. You don't need physical strength to do the vast majority of work now. There, there should be machinery and devices and techniques that you don't need to be physically strong because even if you are physically strong, if you're doing that day in day out, you're going to break yeah. yourself very quickly yeah. anyway. So, or a lot of the big big loads, we have an escort man there to help us move the big blocks or getting the outriggers out and moving the, the timber about on the bed so that you tend to have a, someone to help you if you need to. Or I'm sure if I got to the point where I'd run out of strength, if I ask somebody on site, I'm really struggling with this, will you just give me a hand? They have more respect for you asking for help than they would struggle it, you know, watching you struggle. Yeah. I would hope. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So, I mean, what's, I guess, what's one thing working as an external TM is your first 12 months, what's one thing you didn't didn't expect as part of your, your journey in this first 12 months? Um, I guess the respect that you get, because I was told so many horror stories about people that have gone out yeah. on their own or that are not respected within a company and that they are stung by operators that don't want to be compliant. I think I, I set my stall out where I said, I'm only working for, for operators that that seem to be on the same page and that want to be compliant. And I made that very clear. So I turned down quite a little bit of work of people ringing yeah. me saying, yeah, I know your dad, you know, I want you to work for me. I've got these wagons and we're not very good at this and we've done this. Um, but you know, the Vince public inquiry and they said, I need to do that, but they don't seem to be, you can tell whether somebody's on board with what the traffic commissioners told, yeah. or, told them or whether, they're against it and they say, oh, well, they were really hard on me and they said they should have done that, but I've done this. And you, you can just tell by the tone. So I guess yeah. Um, yeah. I learned quite quickly that you are better not taking everything on. So I, I gave myself yeah. time. So I, I, I 
took a few months to um, windle my hours down with the family business one day at a time every month um, to then gain my clients. So I was very lucky that I was able to do that. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I must say we we found when we started Hub, like Hub's been through many kind of iterations over the last five years. And for a while we did like, well, our, our core thing was not software, but um, consultancy, transport consultancy, doing kind of compliance. So sort of like the, they had TMs, they had their name TM, but we kind of, we came from the angle of fours because that was, was what kind of John's background was. Um, and then we realized that, a lot of these had a TM on paper, but didn't really have processes in place. And we kind of didn't ever officially become named TM, didn't ever offer that sort of duty, but kind of gave them guidance on how to improve practice. Um, and very quickly, you know, you, there are some customers you just don't want to be associated with. Whether you're on there, whether you're obviously as a named TM, very different, you have a legal responsibility, but even you don't want your brand being associated with a business that just doesn't care. I'm like, that's not, that's not where I, I get compliance can be a, be a ball late for some people. And if you don't know what you're doing, it can seem like a really big deal, but actually it's not that big a deal. It's just little and off. It's just making sure you operate into a standard. It doesn't, it's not there to block and get in the way. It's there to keep everyone safe essentially. So yeah, no, I, I agree. Being able to, have you ever had to, have you had to, ever had to fire a customer? Not yet. Touch wood. Um, but I have, I have, um, mentioned it to a client in the past where I've said this is unfortunately what I expect and it's my name I am fully legally responsible for everything that you're doing so I need to know what is going on and if you don't inform me then unfortunately we our you know our paths will will split and you know yeah, there's plenty of yeah. transport managers out there that are happy to just be a name on a piece of paper and they don't want the hassle you know as in they they will just be a name and they won't do anything so if that's what you want yeah. for you to run the way you want to run then i'm sure there's plenty of people that'll do that but unfortunately it's not on my name and yeah, i think no, straight I away they, i think they then have the respect for you to think right okay yeah she's gonna walk if if we don't get on the same page yeah and i don't yeah. ask a lot so what, of them i just ask them for the the bare minimum this is what i expect this is where i want to be you know are you prepared to get there with me you know i'll work with you to get there <clears throat> yeah because ultimately, if they're more compliant, they're going to have less less accidents, less costs. It's going to it is. I mean, we bang on about compliance and how it actually saves you money. Like I, I we've got an insurance broker that we sort of are quite close with down this way, and he he all sort of said like, if you are a compliant business, it actively reduces your insurance premiums. Like it's it, it's not just a ball ache in the way; it does actually save you money as well. Intangible financial terms but also the intangibles like if you've got if you run a fly-by-night kind of operation your staff turnover must be massive drivers won't stay for long because they want to be looked after it's 2022 people are starting to understand there's a better work-life balance out there they don't want to be going to work wondering whether they're going to come home again or not and, and i think, they and feel I think if they're not respected or cared for by their employer they then don't care about their job so they have the no. wrong attitude to everything that you ask of them. So even the walk around checks, yeah. sometimes it takes some um, encouragement to get them out of the bad attitude of, oh, well, I'm not doing it because I've, I've list the defects and they never sort it. Or, you know, I, I'm rushed to do this and I'm rushed. It's, it's that attitude of trying to get the drivers on side 
for them to understand that it's their name as well if they get pulled if they're not done the walk around check properly like it's not just us yeah. it's you as well that's going to get in trouble for it yeah. and then it'll make everything yeah. you know if, if i know about the defect i can get it sorted with the workshop but you've got to put it on the app you know some of them that aren't using the app because they don't want to be in the 21st century there's a few of them still out there yeah there are still yeah so it's just a culture change that's the that's the problem with some drivers they're still a bit stuck in the ways but as long as you get them on board and and on side they will work with you how how, how have you found the best way to get drivers on side then um i like to meet them and i like to have a chat with them and get to know them a little bit and what they want from the job i think a lot of the time they want people to listen to them or um understand where where they you know what they actually want from the job and i often like some of the companies that i work for i give them regular trainings or when i'm when i'm debriefing on on their infringement letters i'll ring them and say look this is what you did can you remember on this day and because i do it weekly they tend to remember and i'll say right have you done a printout and then sometimes they'll get they tend to improve then if you ask for a printout for every single infringement that they get they get to the point where they won't keep going one minute over because they can't be bothered to keep doing a printout for their one minute yeah. over the four and a half hour drive. And then it it, yeah. it, it gets through to them. And I'll just tell, stop mithering, yeah? If you just go and take your break a little bit earlier or just be a bit more careful. And they do respect yeah. that. I think, I, I, I think, yeah, I think that's one thing with, because um, uh, you're not their boss and it, and it must be as an external, you're not kind of, yeah, it's not the same kind of hierarchical kind of within a normal organization. You've got a boss and like you you can't fire a driver, for example. You don't have that kind of authority. Um, so I think there, there's, there has to be a different way to get people on board. So, yeah, I think, yeah, as you say, communication is is at the end of the day, drivers are people, they're humans, and they have the same things like anyone else wants. To, they have hopes and desires and. I think as long as you treat them like a person, I think you can't go far wrong, can you really? And I think because I've done the job and I've been out on the road and I know what challenges they face, I feel like I quite easily get them on side because I can say I know exactly how hard it is. Like you've got a big load on and you can't get in the services because the general haulage, you know, foreign foreign wagons parked in your load bay. And then you have to try and get into the next services. So what you planned for your four and a half hour drive, that you started planning at at four, hours drive you know you can't get in that services and then you've got to run another 20 minutes up the road and you've got a big heavy load on like i understand what what challenges you face yeah. but we just need to try and do things a bit better you know you, you've clocked up a few this month and we need to try and rein it in a little bit for the sake of yeah. you and because you're getting on the spot fine and for the sake of us as a company and i think it's because yeah, I, I, I go in once a week most of my clients i do one day a week where i go in and visit and then the rest of the time the the next week i work from home and i'll still run the reports i'll still i've got the driver's numbers so i can ring they've all got my numbers so i'm always available 24 7 really if any of them need to ring me which often they do and say oh i can't can't remember where i'm up to in my hours this is what i've done today can you tell me when i need my rest or what i need for this weekend so i'm always available for them to chat so i think that eases their mind as well that they've got somebody on hand if ever they're not sure yeah, yeah. And I guess it gives the operator themselves peace of mind that you're actually doing your job properly yeah. as well. Yeah, definitely. Because they pay you to, to do that. And actually, it's not a nine to five, is it? No. That's not how it works. Not at all. No. So, um, so what's um, one, okay, I guess, I guess I, what's one piece of advice you'd give someone who's starting out either is a new transport manager or is looking to become one? What sort of piece of advice might you give them? Um, I think it's really difficult when you do your 
CPC and you pass your te- pass the exam, you're then qualified to go out and be nominated on someone's license. And I don't think at that point you have the experience to do it. I was lucky. I was into. I was doing the duties as admin before I yeah. did my CPC. So I already understood a lot of what was in the course because I was doing it day to day for the family business because that's what you do. You do a bit yeah. of everything. Then I did the course. I already had a good understanding before I did the course and I'd already there. I went straight as being nominated, but I was working alongside my brother that was also a transport manager. So I had quite a lot of experience by the time that I was nominated on my first license. Whereas other people that have never worked the job, they just decide they want to be a transport manager or they might have done an admin role. They do the course, they pass the exam, and then they can um, they can go straight out onto any license and, and be fully responsible for the running of that transport. And I think they should really, I, I don't know how they would do it, but I, I would say that any new tr- qualified transport manager should really go and do some shadowing or um, six months working alongside another transport manager, something, or have a, have a mentor that they can, um, liaise with regularly and ask questions somebody I didn't have a mentor I had my family but obviously family businesses are stuck in their own ways they only know what yeah. we're all sort of self-taught in our family business we've done a few courses but you sort of get used to how the company runs and and a lot of things I learned through the course so I think it, it would be beneficial if there was something out there that was following on from passing your exam these are the networks you can go down to gain experience before you are then nominated because it's a lot of responsibility. Yeah. And you're taking advantage do you know of any... some operators. Yes. I think, I think that's also the thing is they thing. see you in, especially if you start advertising really cheap, I want to get experience. So I'm going to be cheap. It's like, well, you're, whether you're going to charge a lot or charge huge amounts, you're still, if you're the only named nominated person you are still legally responsible so doing it on the cheap kind of is counterproductive i think it makes more sense to do it for as you say find, find a mentor um where would you find a mentor do, do, do you have any kind of places you hang out online that that you kind of there are people there's a c- groups of tms i know there's some facebook groups that yeah. can be some are good some are not so good um are there any other specific ones places you you go to I mean, I keep my eye on the Facebook groups. I'm in a few um, transport manager uh, Facebook groups. I don't take, I take a lot of it with a pinch of salt. I often won't comment or post in there. I, yeah. I sort of do my own research, um, listen to a lot of transport podcasts, I guess, on my weekends when I'm mucking out the horses. <laughs> I just have a podcast in here, like I listen to yours. Yeah. Um, there's a few others that I listen to quite regularly, all of theirs, because I feel like that's more accurate. Um, but I guess I would love to be a role model for younger people or newbies uh, to share my experiences because I do actually have quite a lot of experience, even though I've only been doing it a short period of time. I've learned yeah. an awful lot that I could pass on to somebody. But I think I was lucky that um, I, my mum's friend um, runs a haulage company and she takes courses, does training courses, things like that. And she mentored me for a I could still ring her up okay. now and, and ask her any questions. And she's just brilliant with telling me exactly what I need to know. So I think it's always good to have somebody you can trust that's already doing the job Yeah. Um, yeah. to answer your questions honestly. No, that's interesting. I wonder if there, there might be a conversation beyond this podcast for because we're always looking at ways. Ultimately, we want to help improve standards in transport. That's what uh, the whole the whole reason 
hub as a brand exists the reason we do the morning cup of podcast the reason we do all these different programs we do is ultimately trying to improve standards and i think external tms is such a big part of the the wider transport space i mean mo- most most transport operators are under 10 vehicles i think 75 percent of road licenses are registered with less than 10 10 assets on them and therefore most of those are going to have external tms because it makes financial sense too and as you say i think you look on some of these facebook groups some of these questions people ask it's like they've got no they've got nowhere else to ask yeah. they're newly you qualified people that so you can't alone. blame yeah yeah you are. Oh, but then and i find that I, think, I go into these companies my, my operators or even i do stuff for restricted license holders that don't need transport managers just need somebody who's organized that has knowledge of transport to organize everything and make sure things are booked in and and often i will go in i'll have a desk I might be in a in an office with nobody else, and I will just run through my duties, and I don't see anybody. So even when I'm working from home, so a lot of the time I'm expected to come in, do my job as a transport manager, however long that takes, and then when I'm done, I'm done. Often I don't even get questioned, uh, checked on what I'm doing, asked what I'm doing, any proof of what I'm doing. So for somebody that doesn't really know a lot about it, they've passed the exam and they've been thrown in. Here's four operators with you know. 20 vehicles max which is potentially what i was at um you know they just they could be going into each operator and be sat there and not really know what what to do because passing the exam is very uh, different than what i do day to day it's a bit like i, I mean I, I don't have my class one or class two but i do have a, I have a, a car license i remember passing my license at 17 18 and you, you do all the stuff in the lessons to pass an exam and then you go out on the road and realize yeah. oh you can't drive you go and learn to drive after you pass the yeah. exam because yeah. it's the real world. It's you learn you learn skills in in a perfect environment. Well, the world's not perfect. You live in imper- in imperfect. You, drivers, other road users are idiots. Drivers don't listen to you as in in a, T, in a TM role. Operators say they do one thing and do another. It's like you it's have not to convenient. learn. That's often what I found. They want to be compliant, and then they'll go, ah, oh, but we need all these loads. You know, customers really pushing. We need all these wagons out, so yeah. they'll have to just run his time. Well, no, you can't. Yeah. You can't do that. Sorry to interrupt your schedule, but you have to understand the law, and that is the law. Yeah. You know, and you could take, yeah. you could have your license stuck off you overnight if the traffic. Tra- it's just like, yeah, yeah. So you might be able, you might be able to get one extra load a day, but if you don't have an own license and you've kind of lost your repute, you can have no load today indefinitely. Yeah. You've lost your business, so it's like, yeah, it, it's. It's hard to get through to people because, like, oh, I've done this for years. I've not been caught. So exactly, like, oh, they've not yeah, been that's, caught. That's not yeah, and that's mind. why they keep pushing it, isn't it? Yeah, because they know that I think they can. So, um, I guess I mean we've spoken a lot about kind of your ETM experience. What what sort of things do you out do do you do outside of kind of your your day job? You said you you you're a horse, you do horses and stuff. So what other what other things do you do in your spare time? I have just done my AET, so my teaching qualification, which means that I can oh, yeah. um, I can teach, um, or soon I'm working with somebody that uh, I'll be taking CPC courses, like driver CPC courses and master classes in the training centre. So I'm quite looking forward to that because it's a bit of personal development for me as well within the industry. So it'll sort of support yeah. what I'm doing anyway. Um, I have a race car that I go out playing at weekends in. That was kind of the angle I was going with there. Was trying to get you to talk about <laughs> racing because I know literally nothing, and and I know that checking out your LinkedIn, like your 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 like your you and your your outfit and your car is kind of plastered everywhere. Aren't you now a sponsored 
driver for an oil company yeah, or something. Yeah, GB Lubricants, yeah. That was uh, it, yeah. First brand ambassador, so yeah. There you go. So, so yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I'm sure our listeners know more about kind of the circuit than I do. But give me an overview. How does it work? How did you get into it? Um. So I used to compete with the horses regularly. Um. The horses got a bit older, and I was struggling with work to keep them fit enough to be competing at the level that I was at. So I tried to do it at a lower level and didn't get the adrenaline rush. So we decided yep. that I'd retire the horses so they'd just be pets. So they're still pets now. Um, and I decided that I'd rinse my life savings on a race car. And I thought I'd just do it for a year, you know, just something to do. Uh, I, I didn't have a partner at the time. I haven't got children. So I thought now is a great time to do it. So I'm going to do it. So I bought a race car and I only plan to do it for one year and i'm here five years on and i can't there we go. The bug. <laughs> so how, how does it work is it is it amateur is it semi-pro is it no, professional how's it club level racing but i've got there's some good opportunities that you get out of it so i've done some 24-hour races i've been to spa in belgium racing um over there um i've i've i do sometimes um do a little bit of supercar instruction which came from the racing okay so book an experience day um where you get to drive oh, wow, okay. around yeah, yeah. and i'm your instructor so i get oh, to wow, do some okay. cool little go. things at weekends when i'm not racing that's what i go and spend the rest of the time driving ferraris and mclarens around circuits <laughs> very nice so so is, is this like an every weekend thing or is it like a season or so the season for racing runs about probably march to october and it's about every three or four weeks, we'll have a race weekend. So it's normally in a championship okay. or a series. Um, this year, I've done um, an endurance series. So I do 45-minute races with a one-minute pit stop. And I drive. I've got a little mini. Nice. Yeah. So I might have come down. And it, it, when, I'm guessing it goes on tour. There's different circuits around, yeah. around the area that you all do. Well, so all over the UK. Think, so we do Silverstone, yeah. Brands Hatch, like all of the big circuits all over the UK. I might have to uh, keep keep in touch and see when you're next down to the local one down here. What's what's what is it? Donington is that a park? Yeah. That is Donington Park. That's a, that's a racetrack that's yeah. fairly near us. I think that's probably the nearest one to us. So maybe you know, next time you're down there, you need to let Come us know. We can, we can do a, yeah. do a do a team day out. That'd be fun. That'd be fun. Um, yeah, talk about um, Spa in Belgium. Casper, our product manager, has just got back from the F1. He went over oh, there for amazing. for the F1. He's he's um, he goes to Silverstone every year. He goes to the British Grand Prix every year um, because of a family friend connection. He gets good price tickets for it. Yeah. That relationship ended this year. He was like, well, if we, if we, if we going to pay full price, we may as well go kind of, let's not do the UK again. Let's do a different one. So he did, um, he went to Belgium a few weeks ago or whatever it was, two weeks ago. Um, but he said he's a big um, Lewis Hamilton fan. And he said he's been to two races outside the UK. I think one in Malaysia a few years ago and one to Belgium. And it was the two races where he crashed out in like the first few laps. <laughs> so he's he's not, not had a good track record for, no. for that. But so, that is um, racing yeah. for you. Yes. Yeah, I can imagine. Um yeah, one one of our one of our uh, customers actually is a um um bike racer. Um he does um amateur bike racing as well. So he's he did. He did get his bike branded in the hub colours because he's quite a fan of what we do. So he's got a pink to orange um, gradient bike, which does a really cool game on the track. I actually. bet. It's yeah. Really cool. <laughs> um, so, I, I mean, this is this is where we kind of come into 
different features that I've come up with ideas and stuff. Um, I was going to do a, se a session on two truths and a lie, a bit more like game show. Um, and I realized that I, I kind of asked around the team if there's any kind of like, uh, examples of things they've seen in their time in the industry. So we had a few people come up with some ideas, but the best idea I've got is I can't talk about the situation because it was a current customer. Oh. <laughs> um, and I'm going to make no more inference than that because I don't want to get, I realize it's kind of not ongoing, but like it's, yeah. Oh, so no. I realized actually start doing about like, because when we drive a horror stories was the idea. I was like, I need to do more thought. I can't just throw some things out and get it published online. And suddenly people are going to start complaining about things. Yeah. So I guess on the flip side, have you got any, any horror stories that you can talk about that are able to be spoken about on, on air that, that you kind of, either as a TM or as a internal or as a driver doing something, um, anything, anything come to mind? I know I haven't, I didn't give you any time to prep for this. So I apologize if oh. it's, I mean, with, I, I've had to deal with incidents while I have been either on the days that I do the compliance for certain companies or as an ETM, I've been asked to go in and do additional days to help them with a health and safety issue of some form. So whether it's somebody that's, um done something stupid a driver that's done something that they know they shouldn't have done because he didn't lock, like like one example um a high ab man he didn't i, I have not a high ab driver <clears throat> but they apparently they isolate the controls before they yeah leave. He so he, and he didn't isolate it he lent across to hook one of the slings on and it then the clamshell hooked him and he had major um <clears throat> like a hematoma on his legs, like really hurt himself. But he openly said, I've never done it before. I don't know why I didn't isolate it, but I, well. We'll it, never do it again. <laughs> no, he isn't going to do it again. Um, it's, still, it's still in the yeah. job, but he had to take quite some weeks off. Um, yeah. It could have been really, really serious because he yeah. stop, he'd snapped the button off, leaning over. Oh, out. Because it, it had crushed him. Um, and he couldn't, yeah. he, he couldn't, he couldn't stop it. It was, you know, mm. and, and I've I've done a few of not like not like that, but some serious incidents, health and safety wise, where they've asked me to come in and assist them with putting documents together, um, you know, collating all the training documents and everything we need to say that the Lola's in, um, the Lola's up to date, everything, everything he's been trained, putting everything together for health and safety. Um, yeah, yeah, I've seen I've seen some, um, you know, a lot of the time it is drivers just not thinking they're on autopilot because yeah. they're doing the job every yeah. single day and they go yeah i messed up you know but i've you know one driver lost his finger through <sighs> messing up and i had yeah. to go and collect him and it was in a glove i had to go and collect him and take him to hospital <laughs> so yeah. there's been some like out, I, I, I was out because i'm an ex first aid instructor and health and safety instructor that was a previous iteration of what i used to do and there's one story i used to talk about of um Obviously, when someone loses a, a, a limb or a finger, you kind of want to try and obviously the patient's the important one, but if you can get the body part as well, they can reattach. And there's one story, I think it was um, on the railway lines, he, he basically lost a finger. How he did it, I'm not, I can't remember how it happened, but he um, uh, couldn't find it anywhere. And and so obviously lost. Thought I'll go lose a finger. So he lost a finger. Off work for three or four weeks. Um, got back to work or however long it was. Got back to work. 
put put his uh, high vis jacket back on, put his hand in his pocket, and found his finger in the pocket. Oh my word! <laughs> so um, how, how true that one is, I'm not sure. That was a, a story from a first aid course, and they always send a lot of first aid trainers definitely embellish stories to make them sound more gory. Um, but yeah, so okay. Well, no, I just yeah. had the glove with the finger in, yeah. and the patient yeah. with the bandage on. <laughs> Is what I have to go and collect. Did they, did they manage to reattach it or yeah, not? Yeah, they tried a few times and they couldn't. They, they ended yeah. up with a stump. How, how, did, how did it come off? Um, outrigger boards on one of the big low loader trailers. And because he hadn't um, secured it properly when he was pulling the timbers out. Yeah, but so I guess he was like a... Yeah, it's just yeah. not a nice thing. Yeah, it's, just, it's, no, just it's not, not... part of job, like sadly. These things happen people make yeah. mistakes and... And, the, and the reason you have all these things in place is to minimize that risk try and keep it as safe as possible because yeah. you shouldn't it, in this day and age you shouldn't do a job where the likelihood is you do lose a finger no that's P- so the get... policies and things are in put the method statements are in place to protect the driver and the operator yeah both yeah. you know and I, yeah. i'll work with yeah. both to try and make sure that everything is as safe as possible yeah makes sense makes sense so uh next feature is a chance for you to make up a feature have you got i, I know we, before we start recording like oh, i've got this idea i was like talk about it on on the sh- on on the show so what what have you come up with as a feature that we could do in this section well i've just got three questions that i would ask your next guest okay so, what i thought was you weren't to tell them what my three questions were so i wouldn't know i wouldn't announce them on my podcast but i'd leave them for the um when you're going live for your next guest to read out. But considering the the feature isn't going to happen anyway, I can tell you what my well, it might do. It might oh. do. So, 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 so the whole point is it might do. We don't know. We get to the point. So, so who would ask the questions? The So you, I would I, I'd give you the questions that you wouldn't look at until the live has gone. Okay. Gone. So it literally is. And you'll go, right, my previous guest has asked these <laughs> questions. So they're uh, on the okay. So I can tell you what they are because then you can decide yeah, what on. to use it or not so i thought um an interesting one would be um just an unusual fact about whoever the next guest is so they can think of something off the top of the head um then um a book or a podcast that they would recommend and then a guilty pleasure so that could be anything from okay. like weird food that they might like that no one would guess um or something that they like to do at weekends obviously keeping it okay so in that case <laughs> it's kind of family but i mean not many kids listen to this so you can get away with stuff i guess so um yeah Listen, you'll me, give me a, get, about them, wouldn't you? so okay th- 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 let's do it now then so there you go an interesting fact about yourself go yesterday i jumped out of a plane at fifteen thousand feet <laughs> how d- how did that go that was the best experience ever and i am a bit of an adrenaline so- junkie but i just had the best time skydiving at 15,000 feet out of the plane. I wanted to get straight back up. I wanted to do it again. It was just brilliant. Yeah. Have you found a new hobby now then? Yeah, well, if I didn't have the race car, then I would put my money into skydiving every weekend. It was just yeah. amazing, the experience yeah. there. There you go. So, second question. Oh. Um, get rec- a, a podcast. Recommend a podcast or a book? A podcast I absolutely love being a transport. Apart from the morning cafe, obviously. Oh, obviously. Well, that was one of the ones that I do <laughs> listen to, all your podcasts. Um, but uh, Back On Air, so Backhouse Jones um, are amazing um, yep. in, in, the, in the industry. Um, and they do a Back On Air 
uh, podcast and it's really informative and factual okay. and I just I just love it I just think it's brilliant anybody that is a bit interested in anything like law related or it's always tra- they're transport specific anyway so it's always about what they've learned over the last week in a public inquiry they've been in and they have um, guest people on talking about what they've been through and it's just brilliant so that's what I'd recommend okay. podcast wise and a guilty pleasure oh god I didn't think you're going to ask me this. Yeah, well, this is the thing. That I, 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 I've been put on the spot. As soon as you said this, I was like, you're going to give me the questions, I'm going to ask you the questions back. So. Um, oh. <laughs> God, this is so hard. Um, I know. I, I, I honestly... Okay. Well, if, if what we'll do, we'll, we'll get you to we'll we'll get you to send something in, and we'll discuss it on the next okay, podcast. Yeah. I'll, 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 I'll <laughs> you, you you give it to me, and I'll get you to the story or something. Like that. But having a uh, previous, so I guess one one last question before we jump into quickfire questions is: What's one question you wish I'd asked so far that I haven't asked? Um. I guess, have I ever been in trouble within my role? And I would say, not me personally, but I was acting on behalf of, what What I'm trying to get out with this is, um, how I've got to the point where I am now is I've experienced a lot of good, bad and ugly, and including in the family business, you know, we've been to public inquiry and I've sat in with the traffic commissioner while they've been grilling us with a driver who was in a driver conduct, um, you know, and while the traffic commission is trying to get to the bottom of who is to blame, who's at fault, who could have done more to ensure that it doesn't happen again. And I think that even though people don't talk about their experiences with the traffic commissioner and being in public inquiry, it's frowned upon. But I think it moulds you into who you are. And sometimes mm. that experience, which is horrendous when you're sat in there in front of the traffic commissioner, um, I think it really moulds you into how mm. you really want to progress as a person and I learned a lot from that experience and I learned that I don't want any of my operators to be in the position that I was in and I know how I can help them get through it so that they don't ever need to be there does that does that help with kind of getting them on board as well when you yeah. kind of say I've been there yeah. I don't want you to be there and I that, think does so, that become yeah. a real good sales yeah. point yeah because I can say like okay. you know if a driver doesn't check his wheel nuts and he loses a wheel or if he hits a bridge because he hasn't measured the height of the machine he's got on, you straight to public inquiry without even passing go. You know, they will call you straight no. in. And that you might think you are 100% compliant, but because the traffic commissioner has seen this as a serious, they'll drag you straight in. So you'll have to experience mm. that, even though you, you'll walk in and say, I know everything is 110%. You still have to go there, turn up and yeah. prove it. You have to prove that you are innocent there in front of the traffic yeah. commissioner. Yeah. So I guess the question is, have you ever been taken to PI and tell me the story? I guess is the question I could ask future TMs because I think that's. I think whether they would share it. Hide. Some people would have. Yeah, it, maybe. They? But I think it really. To be honest, it's not particularly it. hard, especially if you are if you're a name TM. I can Google it. You can find out. It's yeah. all public records. Yeah, yeah. Like I, you, you, I must say, I did, I did this. We were looking to work with a TM a few years ago, and I did a, I did a check online. I kind of went, went and had a look at the um, public inquiry records, and I could see you'd been taken to public inquiry. Um, 
But what so was your opinion losses. on him knowing that information? Because that's interesting. Um, in that specific situation, he wasn't at fault. He was brought in to help with the public inquiry, and it was obvious. So I, re- I read all the reports and stuff. Like, okay, cool. so you actually know what you're talking about, and yeah. that's fine. But it's it, the point is, it is public public knowledge. Like, you can't hide that sort of stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, final final section, final round is quick fire questions. Um, we've not done this before, so we'll see how this goes. I've got a few questions. Just first thing that comes into your head. Like, so um, it's going to be an and or question or a, kind of a, a favorite thing or a worst thing. So okay. to get started, so easy one, tea or coffee? Coffee. We need it, it <laughs> to get through <laughs> days. <laughs> how do you take your coffee? What's your, what's your favorite kind of brew? A frothy latte. Large, there you go with an extra shot if i can fair enough there you go well that will come to question in a second so internal external tm i love the challenge of an external but i think internal is safer for newbies there you go would you rather work with a failing operator or an easy operator i've learned this over the last 12 months that i prefer a red operator that's in trouble that need help and they come to you for help than somebody that is just ticking over because I, I like the challenge of saying audit them and giving them a plan and saying this is what I'm going to work through this is how we're going to get there are you on board or you're not you know and that's my plan and, and I love yeah. that turning them around and seeing them go from red to green which I've had this in, this year I started working with an operator in December who was red who was in trouble um and I turn them around, and they're they're in they're um, in green on one side and amber on the other. So we're we're working towards. Yeah. It. It's only because with the a small operator, it's really hard to lift the OCRS if the MOTs are in the end of the year, and um, yeah, they've not had any roadside pools. So it's difficult then to get you into the green. But yeah, definitely a challenging yeah. operator. Nice, nice. What's your favourite county? Oh, county. Uh, do you have any kind of affection for it for a county or not don't have any really there you go okay fair enough i thought i thought being being from manchester you might have some real strong opinions around well manchester or london oh i like a good trip to london okay so you are you born and raised manchester then yeah so I guess getting out of town is, is or is it? Yeah. Scania or Renault? Oh, no, not a Renault. I'm not a Scania weirdo, but I appreciate a Scania. Volvo or DAF? DAF. Even though the go. beeping is irritating. <laughs> Still a DAF. <laughs> there you go. I'm going to hold you to these ones. By the way. <laughs> driving, or, driving or TMing? that's a hard one because I'm sort of retired from driving a little bit. I keep telling everyone I'm retired so they can't send me out because I don't want to do 28 days of manual entries. <laughs> well, that, that, yeah, let's not even get into that. Yeah. No, I could, I could definitely that. understand that. Well, I'd yeah. love to go out and do like another day's driving. I get, I, I am tempted sometimes when I'm with an operator who's, Oh, struggling for drivers tomorrow. And I'm like, Oh, I could go out and move you 20 ton or about, ah, I'm going to keep myself yeah. clean. <laughs> no, yeah. It might make, make things easier. Favorite beer. I like a cider, not a beer. Okay. Are you, are you, are you a cocktail fan? Yes. Favourite cocktail then? Cornstar Martini. There you go. That's a good choice, by the way. Good choice. Yeah. Do, you, do, you, do you drink the Prosecco on the side or do you put it in the I'll in put cocktail? it straight in. 
Anyway. There you go. How it should be. How it should be. Fours or DVSA own recognition? I'm just not a Fours fan. God, it gives me headache thinking of it. Um, but I haven't worked with an earned recognition company. So um, I guess I would go down that route because I like the idea of being on DVSA's side um, rather yeah. than Fours. And I don't really agree with some of the processes that Fours have. And how yep. it's not very user friendly to someone that's never seen it before. They'll read it and, it, you know, they're just sort of. But then I guess if someone, someone's got into being a TM and they've never read it before and read the, the legislation you're responsible for, it's quite, it's a whole new language, whole new industry. Yeah, so it, is. it can be the same thing. But yeah. Um, paper or digital daily checks? Digital, because I get notified immediately of the defects, whereas paper. If they don't ring me and tell me, I'll just get the piece of paper potentially the next week that I come in. And then I have to ring yeah. them and say, why did you put this on my desk when it's a defect yeah. and you went out with it and you put it, you defected it for three days on the run. So yeah, definitely digital. Yeah. I can Fair be enough. like my... responsible, like I can be the responsible TM that then rings them straight away and says, take it straight in the workshop. I'll ring them now. They're going to look at it straight away. Or, you know, I, I can yeah. really be hands on then. Yeah. Might 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 get one of the product team to give you a call um, to get some feedback because we're just developing a defect Ooh. daily walk around check out at the yeah. moment. So trying to trying to build one that's actually driver friendly because I think a lot of them are not particularly driver friendly. They're great for internal use for for you, but I think drivers find them difficult to 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 navigate. So might be um, ask your feedback and if you've got any drivers, we can ask feedback. We'll talk we'll talk after this. I don't want to. This is really boring stuff for a podcast <laughs> now. Um, fine. To finish off, what's the best? What's in your opinion the best service station in the UK? Um, Have you got a favourite? Well, I try not to night out unless I'm absolutely forced to. But I believe there's an F one one. Is it in Chester? I'm not sure. I'll mm. have to I'll have to do some I research. It's like on that. a racing inspired truck stop. Um, okay. Okay. Somewhere up near me and across, um, apparently, that I'd love to go to because I'm a little bit into my racing a little bit. Yeah. Um, but there I try not to night out if I can get away with it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, surely, though, if you're on the road, you've got you to stop at a service station for a coffee and a, and a wee or something or for lunch or whatever. Yeah. And you, you, it's an absolute fortune. I don't. Yeah, no, no. I, I do worry about drivers because of how much it costs to go and get a coffee and a meal deal. If you're having breakfast yeah. and lunch and sometimes tea in a day, it is ridiculous. Yeah. The services. I don't know how they get away with it. Yeah, no, no, I agree. So, what's the worst services in the UK you've stopped at? I mean, there's a few of them where there's one shower and the toilets are disgusting. I can't name any in particular. But the problem that I find sometimes is after, say, eight, nine o'clock at night, you can't get any food. So some services that you go to in a wagon, if we get caught out, you can't actually buy it. All you can buy is a sandwich or, or yeah. you know, it's not really good enough for drivers that are working 15 hours, which often they do. Yeah, yeah, no, agreed. I say I, I, I do quite a lot of driving. I, when I, when we drive to Cornwall a lot. My, my wife and I, we're big fans of Cornwall, and so it's a six, seven-hour drive. And if you leave after work on a Friday getting to extra services at like 10, 11 in the evening. It's like the only thing that's open is really an M&S. There's no restaurants open. Nothing to actually get an actual meal. And it's like, yeah. all I get is a, get is a, a sandwich. But, but yeah, okay, fine. Um, so uh, anything else you want to discuss? Anything else you want to bring up? Or are we, are we kind of out? Are we, we're almost out of time. So is there anything else you wanted to chuck at me? Any questions for me? Um, 
Yeah, but I'd like to know a bit more about your hub. Is it a, okay. is yeah, it a, I mean, a TM software or...? It, it's it's not t- TM specific, although TMs can use it. It's aimed at small operators. Um, so yeah, we we we're a digital fleet management solution helping manage fleet and drivers um, uh, to basically maintain compliance. Um, it's got a few other features in there as well. I'm happy to run you through it at some point. Yeah. I try my hardest to not make the podcast the sales no, sales no, no. call, so I don't <laughs> want to do it now. But yeah, we can definitely discuss it because yeah, I mean. It's something that definitely would be useful for at least a couple of your operators, I'm sure. So I'm uh, happy to talk through after the after the recording. Um, but other than that, um, I will let you get back to your actual real day job. I've taken an hour of your time. So um, I've also got to run on to another recording now, as, as I do. I tend to do back-to-back ones. So um, thank you very much for joining me, Sammy. Um, as always, um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, we kind of rely on our audience to... Um, listen um we haven't really got a podcast since we listen so as always like subscribe 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 <laughs> and share oh my god this is how oh my god i i could i could talk so eloquently for an hour and then i come and do the actual bit that i'm actually meant to which is find <laughs> us on spotify and share us a five-star review and all that sort of stuff and it comes up like a train wreck um <laughs> do you know what I, we'll probably leave this in but i'm going to re-record this bit and, and edit it on the end maybe ah, elizabeth might not even do that she'll leave it in so yeah Sp- um spotify anywhere you get your podcast like share subscribe five-star review um and yeah find us on instagram twitter facebook linkedin uh not on tiktok are you on tiktok yeah are you, are you, are you care about tiktok oh my god okay maybe we've got to do a morning cover tiktok right today I'm, I'm trying to learn it yeah I, I must say we've got one one of our operators she's quite she's a well she's a she which helps being a female tipper driver you tend to have an angle i'm sure you have the same thing being a female there's a certain angle there you can work with so um yeah <laughs> I'm going to have to find you on TikTok. What's your TikTok? Oh, no. Uh, I, I don't actually know. I'll send it you. I'm not sure. I might be able to find. This is this is the best editing to a podcast I've ever done. Video. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So we're not on TikTok, but Sammy is. So what we'll, well, actually what we'll do is, well, do, you, do you want to try put my, your... Con- my, um, my TikTok's very mixed. So it's all, I guess it's, it'll be interesting for some people. It's like all about yep. my life. Like it's not specific to anything. It's got a bit of racing on there, there a bit go. of transport, a bit of skydiving, a bit of... Skydiving now, yeah, definitely. Yeah, a bit of um, well, okay, well, uh, do you want me to put your social Sunday. links in the... Yeah. Yeah, oh, so we'll, we'll put all, all Sammy's social links and go find her, see her racing, see her skydiving. <laughs> and if you're looking for... A, if you're in the uh, Manchester kind of area and are looking for a transport manager, I'm sure when she's got availability, you can... You can, you can try to help you. Um, cool. Okay. Thank you very much, everyone. And I'll see you next time on the Morning Cover. Cheers.